Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week, folks, we, uh, this was not a good week for the boys of They Made Another One. Um, as a lot of you know, recently, Animal Month, the, our animal featuring spectacular in honor of the animals ended after a long six-week journey that really just sort of took us through the magical highs and lows of animals and uh, what they do and what they're like. And we wanted to segue out of Animal Month. We were done with Animal Month. We had some movies ready for you here. We had Toy Story 4 on deck. But life sometimes comes at you fast, and it looks like Animal Month was not done with us. So over the last little bit, we've had all sorts of personal and technological calamities uh, at the hands of various animals. Um, you may remember in my Leave it to Beaver episode that I said uh, Dunstan checks in is something that just never leaves my brain. And I think Dunstan heard that I was talking shit. So he came and he beat me real bad and he, he snapped my computer in half and he turned all my internet off. And uh, Liam, I'm pretty sure, Liam, for those of you who can't tell, is uh, is phoning in to the show via a cellular device. Can you tell me what happened there? Yeah, well, my uh, computer got bugged, Corey. It got bugged? Like a real yeah. bug? Like animals? Yeah, like an animal bug. A bug came in, cujoed my computer all over left, right, and center, and then Clancy Brown came into my house called me a curmudgeon and then electrocuted me and my computer i'm okay but my computer didn't make it out so good yeah so liam had to uh, default to a cell phone because the electricity wizard clancy brown was having none of our animal month business and i don't know if anybody remembers when we talked about cat people and uh last episode i know there was a lot of like cat roaring big cat roaring well the big cat union heard that we used those sounds without checking and uh, we're also being sued for like a bajillion dollars so between not having internet and uh just getting attacked by wizards we also had to speak with our lawyers um and all of that is to say that thanks to animal month lasting longer than four weeks it has decided to enter every single facet of our daily lives and we have not had the opportunity to record a Toy Story-based episode. Because as we all know, toys are not animals. And toys of animals are not animals, they are toys. So, Liam, what does that mean we're going to do? Well, you know what? It uh, We're going to try to pull up an episode from the vault from you guys. And it's been a while since I've seen this particular movie, which is RoboCop 3. But I'm really hoping there's an animal in it. Because I fear that we've done the animal thing for so long that we've we've cast some sort of hex on ourselves, and if we stray too far from the animal path to toys, for instance, bad things are going to come to us. So uh, there's like a there's like a gorilla ape thing in the first RoboCop, right? Is that correct? Um, something like that. I don't. I they're just not fresh in my mind. But I have reason to believe that there's probably a dog or two kicking around in RoboCop three. In God, the in, so. in the industrial wreck of new old Detroit or whatever the fuck it's called, there's got to be something. Yeah, well, if if you guys are listening to this episode, I think that means there's an animal in RoboCop because otherwise we wouldn't be able to put it up. There would be too many roadblocks. Well, and it's wild because you know there's these unseen animal forces, right? And they're stopping us from recording about Toy Story. But the movie after that is an animal movie. So do they That's just the want plan, us? Do yeah. they just want us to skip to that? Is Toy Story just not allowed in the confines of this fucking animal prison we've built for ourselves? 
Yeah, we might have to do it. Corey and I are going to slave away over the next week before Wednesday and uh, figure out what it is the animal gods really want from us. And we assure you we'll have a new episode for you next week. Whether or not it'll be animal-based, we'll be telling as to uh, how our battle went with the animal gods. But we're going to figure something out and we're going to come out triumphant. You know, we, uh, We're not going to let this beat us. We've come too far. And I don't want to worry any of our listeners, but if we go to those animal gods and those animal gods say to us, you have to sacrifice a listener. If you hear a knock on your door late at night, you win. And uh, I don't want to tell you what you've won, but if it means we get to do new podcast episodes, I think you're going to have to just deal with it. So thanks for being understanding. We are really dealing with supernatural forces out of our control and we're going to do our best to fix it. But in the meantime, get comfortable and listen to our discussion of RoboCop 3. Hello, and welcome to They Made Another One, a show that dives deep into the annals of franchise cinema to find the sequels, reboots, and remakes that time forgot. I'm Corey. And I'm Liam. And on this week's episode, we looked at the 1993 Robocop 3, which was directed by Fred Decker of Night of the Creeps fame. And we can get a little bit more into some of the weird things about the production of this movie later, it's really weird to see a co-written by Frank Miller credit on this, uh, but we can get into that stuff after. So I think the place to start is probably with the first RoboCop movie, which is the one that we've both seen. And this was a recent thing for us. And I think uh, RoboCop 1 rips. It was an unexpectedly like great movie. It's the kind of thing that you hear about a lot, but you don't know if it's actually going to be as good as people say it is but it's really funny it's really well constructed satire and it's really like gross gnarly action that really works out in a lot of just fun ways yeah yeah i think you nailed it um there's so much going on in that movie i think it's only an hour and a half or so but the director of that film is tackling so many different things and um yeah the satire is biting the violence is is brutal in a way that is, is sort of hard to deal with. It, it might come across as comedic initially, but then it j- just becomes really stark. And um, it's, yeah, it's a really busy movie. And I was really struck by it too. I had a blast with it. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Paul Verhoeven, who directed RoboCop 1, he is one of many people who did not come back for RoboCop 3. Um, RoboCop 2, which we have not seen, though the movie seems to act like robocop 2 doesn't even exist because it's they never call upon like moments in that movie but it was directed by irvin kershner uh it was a whole kind of different thing uh the lead actor also did not come back they got robert john burke who is now playing robocop and rip torn shows up which is fun uh cch pounder john castle and also because i guess she was paying a mortgage nancy allen comes back she is one of the only prominent returning members of this franchise yeah Yeah, it was nice to see her that was cool yeah they don't give her a lot to do per se but like she serves an important purpose and like it's kind of nice to have that connective tissue because it almost in a lot of ways this movie doesn't feel like robocop feels and that comes down to like literally robocop the the robot man feels different um -hmm. yeah totally and i think the thing that we can start on because this is like it doesn't feel like a RoboCop movie because it almost feels like it's like two degrees of separation 
away from being a family film. Mm-hmm. And that was bizarre. I don't want to put too fine a point on it because like, it does open with what is effectively like guerrilla warfare in the streets of Detroit. And that's obviously not like family friendly content per se, but a lot of how the movie's constructed, like you said, it's got that really like straightforward feel. There's a lot of like exposition recaps and things to keep people familiar with what's happening. And aside from that, it's just like, it's way less violent. Uh, the satire is a lot less frequent and a lot less pointed. It doesn't make the movie not have themes. Like it's got prominent themes of, family and anti-corporatism and things that we've seen before in robocop but in that way it feels like a like a gussied up for a wider audience like just recasting of the original yeah totally and um i think i understood that this was going to be a very different film right when we were introduced to this kid at the beginning and and when it became clear that that this kid was going to be um sort of a main character we know that the film is called robocop and that's who who we're going to be following but but we're going to be seeing robo robocop through the eyes of this child and um and we see that as as he's wandering through the riot at the beginning of the film and, and he finds a robocop doll and um i think it's it's clear to me that that this movie is tackling it from from a different perspective because I, I don't think we saw any children at all in the first RoboCop film. I think you f- see like flashback child and that's pretty much right, it. right, right, right. And so, so this movie is clearly, um, it has a bit of a different approach. And so between seeing the kid at the beginning of the film and um, seeing a few people die at the beginning of the film in, in very different ways than we see in the first movie, um, you know, they're, they're dying. There's not a whole lot of blood and um, that might be that's that's okay for for any other film, and I probably wouldn't have even taken note of it um, because it's very conventional. But because the deaths in the initial RoboCop film are so are so jarring and brutal, um, it's something that I definitely noticed right at the beginning of this one. And I thought to myself, okay, I guess this is this isn't going to be more RoboCop, even though that is exactly what it ends up being. It's just it's just another RoboCop tale. It's it's sort of a retread of what we see in the first movie um, in term in terms of plot. But but the way that it's uh, conveyed and the tone it has is is very different than the first RoboCop film. Yeah, for sure. And just to sort of ground that tone and like why it feels like such a retread, like a quick plot summary. The main thing is like Omni Consumer Products bad dudes very corporate capitalist sort of like dehumanized just like corporate machines effectively uh have sort of are now a subsidiary of the kanemitsu corporation which is japanese and is this other big conglomerate and ocp has increasingly sort of got like their wits about them they now own the police force and uh, if I remember correctly, it's something about like owning the city or maybe like Kanemitsu bought the city or something like that. And in a similar way to the original, they're trying to set up like a new development for rich people. In this case, it's called Delta City, which is going to go over a bunch of different neighborhoods, one of which is Cadillac Heights, which is where this kid is. And this like freedom fighter resistance cell is that is rooted by uh, Bertha, a.k.a. CCH Pounder. And... Um, there's this group called the Urban Rehabilitators who are fronted by uh, Paul McDaggett, 
the char- the character is Paul McDaggett, who is played by John Castle, who is absolutely chewing the scenery just off the frame of this movie. He is hamming it up in the most maniacal ways, and they're sort of like sw- like rent a cop mercenary SWAT guys who come in to like sweep through this neighborhood, and in that process, um, RoboCop thanks to like Nancy Allen kind of has this like or officer Lewis kind of has this like change of heart and fights against like the evil corporate cop guys. But that's all done with like a very different veneer. I don't want to say it's a lighter. I feel like lighter is the wrong term, but it feels different. It feels like goofier and there's like, it's loaded with one liners it's just like floor to ceiling one-liners in a way that's like kind of irritating. It starts off charming and then it kind of gets to be a lot. But as we'll get to, there is also RoboCop doing a police chase in a pink Cadillac. There is a legion of splatter punk criminal nightmare men. <laughs> there is uh, robot ninjas who fight RoboCop. And there is also a jetpack. So... It's losing however grounded it may have been before, grounded enough to sort of make the satire work. And it's just sort of dipping its toes into like almost superhero for children territory. Yeah, totally. It's um it's difficult because I, I, I couldn't really tell the the whole time whether this was a serious action movie or whether it was knowing schlock or, or what we were dealing with here, because the first movie it it goes for the throat so hard in its in its satire and um it goes th- for the throat so hard in its satire and it's so clearly it it it's sort of it has a bite to it and and i think that's why it's so violent and why it feels um why it feels so brutal whereas this movie with that taken away it it's it's harder to tell what why it exists you know if it's just it's just another caper tale it's just sort of another episode of a tv show that has that has robocop at the center of it and and all these things you're describing this pink car and um and these martial arts fights they sound really fun in concept and but but so thinking overwhelming right but thinking back to the movie it's just i can i could barely remember those sequences because it's not as fun as it ought to be, but then it also doesn't it doesn't have the bite that the original film has, and so it's not able to get by just being just being middle of the road, you know. It if it had leaned into into the schlock and really and really had a goofy fun time, I think I think this would have connected a lot more for me. But but as it is, it's sort of it's sort of somewhere in the middle where it just it just ended up being unremarkable for me. Yeah, like, while I was watching it, I felt like I was enjoying it a great deal. Like, I was having the absolute time of my life. I think because it wasn't what I was expecting it to be, I was expecting a bit more of, like, your kind of, like, gritty, squib-covered, blood-splattered kind of RoboCop thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, spruced within that, like, deeply intelligent, satirical kind of foundation. And... I was enjoying how, like, silly it lets itself get, but it never feels like it commits fully. Like we mentioned, it's still PG-13. There's still a lot of cursing. Like, people do still die, and there is blood, and it's, like, violent and not for children. 
but yeah. if they just leaned into the children thing i think there's room for like like i said i wrote several notes over and over again one of which was just robocop is for the children and i think if that was sort of their production ethos maybe there would have been a potential here because like there's a lot of moments where it's like you have that yeah you have the kid who we follow who's like a hacker basically for reasons mm -hmm. for plot reasons yeah. and yeah. um she uh and robocop kind of bond and it's like there's like robocops for the children i don't know what to say he's like the wu-tang clan but um <laughs> in moments like that and in moments where i'm just gonna kind of hop around here to try to make this point so they set up that robocop gets a jetpack later in the movie yeah and it's yeah, in yeah. the room while he's fighting uh otomo who is like the ninja man who's like a robot ninja yes the big boss big boss ninja man yeah, yeah. and they say explicitly if you lose power this has a power reserve in it uh and it also has like a gun arm and missiles and all that so robocop's losing this fight this ninja he's got moves he's got all of the cliches you could possibly want out of your japanese character in a 1990s action movie he's got swords mm -hmm. and a stoic attitude and the ability to do flips and he's just <laughs> kicking robocop's ass and yeah. robocop's like on his last legs here and his arm that has like attachments gets cut off and you're like oh he's gonna put on the jetpack he's gonna boost up his power he's gonna have a cool gun arm and he's gonna beat this ninja and instead what happens is he just reaches kind of next to him and there's just a gun there there's just a gun yeah. arm there and yeah, he just yeah. uses it and the ninja dies and it's like the, there's moments like that where it's like you had the room to do the the goofy thing right and you don't right and i don't know why i mean it just it's weird because like of course, Frank Miller, his ideas or his, like, whatever's left of his work in the script or whatever, that's not a kid's movie. That's not what that man does. But it's like, if you're already going to take it down a notch, you may as well just go all the way. And Robocop, feels, Robocop 3 feels like a movie, unlike its predecessor, that doesn't want to go all the way. However, and I want to throw this one back to you, there are moments that I think still really work, and I wanted to kind of ask, like, because we've kind of ragged on it a bit here. Is there anything yeah. about it that like you really thought clicked? Yeah, Nancy Allen getting shot dead really clicked. I thought that was that was awesome. I was so surprised because it, it was I was so delighted to see her back again. I haven't seen RoboCop two, so I, so I didn't know if she had been in that movie. But I I saw her and there's this really cool reveal where she's sitting in this diner and she's reading a newspaper and she lowers it. And you see that, oh, hey, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's she's back. It's Discount Meg Ryan again. Awesome. And um, for being so mean to Nancy Allen with the Discount Meg Ryan. <laughs> and um, no slight against her, but it's just, it's just Meg Ryan is a bit more of a memorable name. It's catchy. Um, and so I was so delighted to see her back. And then I think it's, what is it, 20 minutes into the movie that she gets shot dead while at standing next to 30. RoboCop? At most, it's 30. It's early. Right, and I thought I thought that was super brutal, and I thought, in that case, maybe the, the lack of over-the-top violence where, you know, she's, she's not getting shot for 20 seconds straight as blood is spewing out of her body. It's just 
she's shot. She gets a couple bullets in her. You can see the blood where the bullets enter her body. And then she's down and, and it feels a bit, um, you know, it's jarring. It happens, it happens really quickly. And, um, it also just kind of looks like how I imagine it might look if someone, if someone just, you know, were to be shot by a couple bullets. And so I thought, um, that moment in particular really worked. What about you? What did you think about that? Well, to piggyback on that, like the way that sequence is presented is quite good. And by which I mean, I really like how it's shot. It's not reinventing the wheel per se, but Robocop 3 has a lot of shots in it that are like, huh, that's a good shot. Like this looks good. And it's weird seeing Robocop like sort of patiently and calculated walk through a church. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just interesting imagery on its own because it's, like, this man-machine-god, like, trifecta of, like, ideology, which I think is just interesting. But, like, there's a sequence where – I think it's when he's carrying her body inside where it's, like, he's walking and he's in profile and it's it's a pretty tight shot initially. And then as he passes – I believe it's as he passes pillars or perhaps it's people or maybe they just cut. I don't 100% remember. But the frame gradually widens as he's walking to just show more of the room that they're in. And that looks really nice. And there's also once she's brought to the altar effectively to have their like, go get revenge for me moment Mm -hmm. uh, because Mm -hmm. she's shot by uh, hammy uh, Paul McDaggett, John Castle guy. It's got this, it's slightly angled down and Robocop's in the foreground and she's in the background and they're staggered right and left. And it just looks, it's just well composed. It's just what a shot should look like. Um, and there's a few other like interesting moments of cinematography for me, which isn't really what I was expecting. It's doing this thing, and I don't know how it does it, and I, I've got guesses, but I've never seen it before. There's oh, two sick. shots that do this. Okay. So near the end of the movie, they're both near the end of the movie, you have uh, Koontz, who's like a, a narc, basically. He's like inside rehab, and he's like, feeding them information about like the resistance fighters and that comes home to roost and they're like having their confrontation and then you get this wide but it's kind of more like a two shot not even it's like two shots put together is what i mean but Mm -hmm. he's in the background and he's in deep focus like the whole thing's in focus from front to back like everything's clear and then on the right side of the frame in like a rule of thirds kind of setup where she, her face is a third of the frame. There's a really, really tight close up on uh CCH pounder and the depth of field is so small. Like the background is just a blur and it's so tight, but then it just kind of cascades into really deep focus and it looks great. <laughs> and they only wow, do okay. it twice. But every time I was like, damn, like this rules the other one later is great because it's a moment where robocop's already kind of been beat a little bit it's when he's fighting the three ninjas uh maybe we should cover the three ninjas on this show three ninjas kickback and whatever three ninjas go to magic mountain with hulk hogan or something but um so they're in the ocp like office and they're fighting and robocop's like visor is damaged you can see his eye so robocop is where cch pounder was and you can see his eye like his human eye from within the visor and he's mm-hmm. in really tight like really shallow focus it's just his face and then the background you see the robot ninja like fighting and right. it's just like yeah these are great one. shots but even like moments of filmmaking greatness much in the same way of moments of like plot greatness are few and far between 
there's stuff that's a lot of fun. Like, the Splatterpunks are fun because they're goofy and weird and they throw Molotovs and they scream. And, like, there's antics and one-liners. But, like, it doesn't amount to something that feels... It feels cohesive, but it doesn't feel whole. What do you mean by that? I think it just... It feels like... I think it's what I've been saying, which is it doesn't go all the way. It doesn't do what it wants to do. Um, There's a moment where the rehab guys are trying to sort of like build some public goodwill toward like Delta city and everything. And they introduce a character and there's like this animated ad and it's for like an action figure and a toy line and all that. And it's some like, you know, they're satirizing the fact that like RoboCop sells toys, but it's like this movie is a vehicle to sell RoboCop toys. Like this is as much an ad as that is an ad. And I'm sure there's some reflexivity Mm -hmm. in like understanding that, but it's like, it never just commits to that. It never just says, okay, we're going to be like G.I. Joe or we're going to be right. He-Man because it wants to keep like the satirical edge, but only when it thinks of a good way to show it off and not just as a foundational part of the film. Right. Yeah, I think I think I really got the, the vibe that the director of this film, Fred Decker, was a big fan of the original film mm-hmm. and that he wanted he wanted to do some things that made that film great. But also, I don't know if there were notes from the studio or if, if this was a decision that he made himself. It's just it's clear that we couldn't necessarily get more of that first film because they had done it already. So this film, it needed to be um pg-13 and it needed to have a kid at the center it needed to cater to a younger demographic and it also it had to be different than the first film but it also it wanted to be that first film as much as it could and so it it it, it makes this sort of strange cognitive dissonance yeah where it's, I don't feel it's like, like, I'm like getting... janice faced it's like it's got two halves <clears throat> but it doesn't want to like yeah i will say though when it leans into that more like strictly speaking like this is satirical and this is taking shots at like capitalist structures and corporatism and like the dehumanization elements of like how rampant capitalism functions it still does that in ways that are fun and interesting uh ocp as like a company i should stop saying that omni consumer products who's like the antagonist from the three films the ceo is different now it's rip torn who again is chewing the scenery like he has not eaten in weeks. And Mm -hmm. uh, that is, he's criminally underused because he's just going wild. But they're like tanking stock wise. And all these like business people are like freaking out and panicking, but they're like so tied to this as like their identity that like there's a moment where there's like a video call system and there's this guy talking to his wife and there's like a bottle of alcohol out on the table and she's like trying to talk him off a ledge both literally and figuratively and he just kind of like turns around and she can't see him because it's facing the other way and he just opens the window and just jumps out the window and then it cuts <laughs> and he hits the ground and the uh ninja shows up and everybody's like yeah. oh what happened uh you know like johnson windowed himself and it's very flawed. <laughs> and it's like, that's good. Yeah. Like, you're still, it, the movie is still capable of doing these things. Yeah. Like, there's a point where it's like, a guy tries to rob, like, a donut shop when all the cops are in it, when we get our Nancy Allen introduction. And he realizes too late that all the cops are in there. And just none of them move. And he's like, yeah. are you going to arrest me? 
it's like these moments are fun that's not really satire per se but like the moments are fun like are it's, it, it feels sort of vignette eh you it get really these, these little vignettes of yeah i i took note of both those scenes and i thought i thought that was a lot of fun especially i love that the movie is set at christmas time um it's established really early on this is a christmas movie there's like a, a christmas tree um yeah there's in, like carol uh, in the, not in the kids house like carols and like decals and stickers yeah yeah there's there's some christmas music i think elvis's blue christmas is playing on a radio at some point and i thought that was a lot of fun it made for a really cool setting um like the church which you were talking about earlier um where nancy allen dies looks really really beautiful the lighting and it, it's sort of gloomy um you know, it, it paints this picture of, of a gloomy Christmas time. Christmas time is supposed to be, you know, really happy and fun. And so and so we get the characteristics of Christmas time in a Christmas movie through things like the music and the lighting, but but it's channeled through this grimy um Detroit landscape. And I thought I thought that was really cool. And so when um when we get this dude robbing the diner, um, there's still there's still Christmas in the background. There are decorations in the diner, and I think I think the idea of Christmas time really lends itself well to these these sort of small vignettes, these little these little tales. Yeah, um, Christmas that, the Christmas is happenstance, like it happens to be Christmas. Yeah, and so maybe if it if it had been more of that and less of your standard police procedural. I would have had more fun with it because because those two scenes that you had just talked about were, were some of my favorite stuff in the movie for sure. Yeah. Maybe we're sounding like a bit of a broken record, but what it comes back to is like it just didn't commit. Cause it could have mm -hmm. committed to the vignette structure, it could have committed to Christmas time, it could have committed to the Robocop one style satirical stuff. It had opportunities to just really lean into any of these and opts to lean into none of them and i think it's also interesting that uh i don't understand how this works to entice kids either because it's not doing that it's like so yeah like robocop flies around on a jetpack right and fights ninjas and like that's things that kids thought were think are cool i said thought but like kids still think like jetpacks and ninjas are cool but it's like is there enough of that to get people through the parts where like the bad guys are talking and they're just kind of like having a weirdly mm -hmm. blah conversation or is it enough to get people through like the we need to give robocop an even sadder family backstory because they're always leaning into like memories and flashbacks and things like that and i i don't know it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would really entice kids either it feels very middle of the road Right, because it's also not enticing adults, right? It's it's not it doesn't have the stuff from the first movie that that made it so fun and um biting. and so memorable biting. and so biting. Yeah, so like for example, I read an interview with Fred Decker after we had watched this film. Um I was curious what he thought about it now and um because I I knew that it was sort of a forgotten movie and and that after this movie he didn't work for a little while. And right. so so I checked out his thoughts and the interviewer asked him, um, what would you change if you could do it again? Would you do it? And what would you change? And he said, yeah, you know, this is the sort of thing that I dream about where um, it's it's one of those things that I feel like I didn't accomplish the way I wanted to in my life. And so I have dreams about doing it over again. And he said, you know, I wish that it had been more violent. I wish that we hadn't done the PG-13 as much as we did. 
I wish that it had been funnier. I wish that it had more martial arts because I really wanted to do a sort of Western martial arts film like The Matrix did about five or six years later. And so he's and there's an the point for that for sure. Like, yeah, there's and, room for that in this movie. Totally. And so I think the point that that we really need to take from that is that, you know, um, it's one thing to say it could have been it could have been funnier. It could have been violent. Th- these are all things that are clear in hindsight. But I think the point is that the film, it could have just been more right. It could have it could have taken any one of these components and and done more of them and, and stuck to them a little bit harder and really, really, you know, known what it wanted to do. And um, I think that's the problem is that he was just he was working at the studio level. He was taking on a big franchise and he just he didn't exactly know what he wanted to do. And if he did, he didn't know how to do it. Right. That the martial arts thing, there were all sorts of problems where he just he didn't have the budget or the knowledge in order to um, in order to choreograph things in that way. And. And so I just I think if the film had been more of any of those things, it would have worked better. Yeah, for sure. And I will say, though, that like one thing that I noticed that I thought was like strangely good, especially considering that like its budget was fairly low, at least by modern standards, it was fairly low, I suppose, maybe in 1993. It wasn't so bad. Right. But um, the effects are mostly very good. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. There are the there's i i wrote a note that just said in all capital letters i hand wrote it pipe thing is terrifying the effect rips and what i mean so this, by that oh go ahead this is when this is when uh the japanese guy gets hit in the face with a pipe yes this is when otomo one of the like ninja robots gets hit in the face with yeah. a pipe and yeah it's um, awesome so like it's it's scary like it's extremely good um it, yes like, knocks his jaw like off its hinge and almost up partially the side of his face and yeah. his mouth is in like a full busted grin and his eyes are wide and he's has tilted down and he looks up and he just swings his jaw around and like clicks it back into place and this happens a couple of times where like if these ninja androids get hit their faces start to like peel and like break and become like in really like really really unsettling expressions like really bugged out eyes bent mouths things like that and then they just like go unchanging and those are Mm -hmm. extremely good basically seamless i don't know if they're like animatronic or what but like they're very very good and they again like if you do want to lean into the like martial arts movie thing and you filled it with that kind of antagonist and you could have just had that effect in a bunch of different kinds of ways like let's see what happens when it's a limb let's see what happens when it's whatever that'd be great yeah so just man did that that surprised me when he got hit by the pipe right because up until this point we're, we're getting these sort of um romanticized shots of of this character you know sitting with his shirt off and looking muscular and and we understand that he's going to be he's going to be the big bad he's he's going to be the one to beat he knows how to fight and initially we and, we do think he's human he just appears right. to be a guy right and so when he gets hit in the face with the pipe my thought was okay one he's going to stick his hand up and grab the pipe because he's good at fighting right he has wicked reflexes he can, he's going to grab the pipe and he didn't do that. He got hit in the face. And then I said, okay, he's going to get hit in the face and it's not going to hurt him because like he's so strong and bad and cool and he knows martial arts so well that it's not going to affect him, right? It's it's just going to be that moment of, 
oh man, I hit this guy with everything I got and, and it's not hurting him. But instead, when it's it's revealed in this really this really menacing way that, like you said, his jaw is hanging off and he stares at the camera and it just it lingers on that shot for maybe five or six seconds. And I was just like, holy man, this is different. This is this is sci fi, right? It's it's what Robocop should be. It's this sort of it's this technology that I wasn't expecting that that has the potential to trump, um, you know, human action and i was just and i was just my mind was blown and i i would definitely wanted more of that you're right yeah and another of really quickly i just want to mention another effect that also is quite good but i want to go back to this because i think it's a good way to sort of like synthesize a lot of what we said into like a singular point but there's also a point where you know robocop robocop has led a life of tragedy i think that's a safe thing to say um he's gone through i'll just say some stuff robocop's had a couple of bad days um and oh what's the repeating line uh oh yeah he keeps getting just like absolutely annihilated and people ask him how he's doing and he just says i've been better uh which, yeah. I, think, which I think is cute and fun um, yeah that's funny but uh so they want to like take his emotions out of him because it's predictable but his like doctor helper, Dr. Lazarus, which is like, okay, first of all, name symbolism, relax. Like we get it. But, um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like in horror movies where a character like has the last name of a of a super famous director. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, you're making a point. I understand. Names are fun to to work with as a writer, but come on. Come on. Get relax. We don't need this. You're not biblical. Yeah. This is not the Bible. Like you guys need to chill with this. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder Robocop if you were to three, go... the one where he meets God, aka the Bible. I wonder if you were to go on the RoboCop three IMDb trivia page, there would there would be a point fairly high up that would say this character is named Lazarus. Lazarus is someone who comes back from the dead. I'm the way Bible, ahead of you because you know? we're checking this now before I check continue. it out. Yeah. And if it's not there, I'm going to put it up just in case trivia. no one knows about this. Uh, see more trivia. That would be good. There's a lot of trivia. There's an excessive oh. amount of trivia. Also, here's a good one. Uh, yeah, just let's let's read through this for a little while. Yeah. Neither of us have checked it out. Nancy Allen, Sergeant, the actor who plays Sergeant Reed, which is Robert uh, DeKey. Johnson from OCP, played by Felton Perry. Uh, the news anchor for uh, uh, News Minute or like Minute media or whatever and um who is mario machado and uh murphy's wife in the flashback are the only actors in all three robocop movies oh and, and that's also, more than I, that's more than i thought there would be it's only five yeah i mean fair i, I was kind of under the point. impression that they all would have been gone after the first one to be honest I, i'm pretty sure angie balling who is murphy's wife is probably in it via flashback like she probably shot scenes for the first movie right and um uh okay so i controlled f for lazarus and there's only one at the 35 all you need mark, baby Nah, it's just about that weird hammer that she has which isn't really a hammer all right well we've got to educate some people because clearly no one knows no one knows the significance no of literally lazarus. no one in the history of the world except for the people who wrote this have read yeah. the trivia page for robocop 3 um it needs to be up there uh her hammer is called a kinetic bullet puller and it's used to extract bullets from their casings and not hammering things. Sure. That was the name of my high school band, Kinetic Bullet Puller. It's a good name. But anyway, 
what I was getting at was that uh, RoboCop is like a flashback where the three important like women in his life are like merging because he sort of lost attachment to them. Like there's his wife and there's Nancy Allen and there's Dr. Lazarus, who's this new like presence. And uh, they like morph into each other. And I was just reading actually, it's the first movie to use that digital morphing effect in multiple scenes. Ah, uh, okay. And it looks pretty good. Yeah, like, yeah. For it's got first this weird, like, cyberspace. Like, you're flying through, like, the internet superhighway of RoboCop's memories. And, right. like, these women are morphing faces. And it looks good. Like, it looks good. And, like, yeah, the RoboCop yeah, yeah. suit looks all right. Um, I don't know if, like, the physical movements of RoboCop from Robert John Burke are that convincing. He doesn't seem very robotic. He just kind of seems like he's stiff. But, like... Mm-hmm. Because, like, every movement is accompanied with that, like, gyro sound. Like, but, like, he's just sort of moving like a guy who, like, needs rub A535. Uh (laughs) Like, I don't know. We can dig into that, maybe, before we wrap back with the thing, uh, how that sort of, like, ninja angle wraps a lot up. How'd you feel about RoboCop in this movie? Um, I... I didn't get nearly as much personality from him, right? I, I wasn't nearly as attached to him. Um, for one, he's RoboCop the whole time. We don't see him. We don't see him as a human. And also, we've seen his internal struggle once before, right? And so so um, this time around, there, there wasn't really anything new for me to, for me to get onto. Also, um, the dude playing him this time around has... Uh, has a jaw that I don't take to quite as well. It's still very impressive. It's and, not um, quite as striking. He's, he's a good-looking guy, but yeah, not as striking for sure. And um, yeah, the scenes we do get of him with his mask off, um, he's he's sort of a... Uh, what would be the word? He's kind of mutilated looking. Yeah, well, and like the original Robocop also kind of looked like that, but like it's almost as though they tried to make his face like a bit more like the original face yeah yeah totally yeah and there is something about just like his voice and like the way he performs the role of robocop that feels a bit like stiff and weird Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't the like endearing rough and tumble robot cop of the initial one yeah there's it's i can't quite put my finger on it but um just because performance when you're so costumed out like that and you're not talking much is hard to pin down. But you're right, there there is a difference. Um, I think about this a lot when I hear people talk about Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, people who are big fans of these franchises, and they they have strong opinions on the people who play those characters in the various films, and they'll say, you know, this person uh, who played Michael in movie four doesn't do it for me as good as the person who plays him in two. And and personally, I don't. I'm super curious in those discussions, but I don't often see a difference. And so, when it comes to this character, um, RoboCop Three compared to RoboCop One, I can't necessarily say for certain what it is that made me feel different. But I just, I know for sure that by the time we get to the end of this movie, I wasn't exclaiming RoboCop's name and I wasn't cheering him <laughs> on, and I didn't. Because I did that the first time around, right? Yes, RoboCop, go, go, go. RoboCop, first, I love you. Yes, that first movie, it it has so much heart. And um, 
And in this Fred Decker interview, he was saying that he made a mistake putting heart before action, which is a super interesting point because to me, though I remember the action so heavily from that first RoboCop movie, what I remember even more is the heart to it and how I was cheering RoboCop on at the end of the movie. And so I understand in RoboCop 3 that they they tried to put that heart um, forward and that they tried to... They tried to go to the kid demographic and they tried to really get people um, behind RoboCop as a figure. But I know that it didn't work for me because I had such a different experience than I did the first time around. Yeah, I'm less interested in this like rendition of RoboCop than previous. And I'd be curious to see how RoboCop feels in RoboCop 2 only because it's the same actor but it's also a much less well-received film, so it's hard to say if that's like due to performance or writing or whatever. It's the same actor as the first film. Yeah, right? that's what I should say. It's the it's the original actor who's I had his name in front of me earlier, Peter Weller. Yeah, Peter yeah, Weller. that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, it's him again. But yeah, it's weird. Oh, oh, sorry, I just got sidetracked by a note that I wrote. Uh, this is something I really need to point out. Yeah, um, there's a moment in the police precinct in Metro West where Sergeant Reed is just talking with this guy named Leon, who's this like older man. who's just like basically goofing on him for having a RoboCop, even though RoboCop's been a thing for like years now. Right. Um, yeah. And he says, Oh, do you guys got like, do you guys have like a ghost cop and like a werewolf cop? And at one point he just says, do you guys have a vampire cop? Uh, and I wrote that down cause I thought vampire cop might've been a better movie. <laughs> Yeah, have we had have we had Ghost Cop before too? I know that Wolf Cop Wolf is Cop a is thing. It. Wolf Cop exists. Ghost Cop, probably right. Like, there's some kind of like self serious police procedural where like a detective gets gunned down and then solves crimes as a ghost. And if there's not, yeah. I'm editing this out because we're writing it. Yeah, God, I hope so. And and oh, yeah, it's true sorry. that all, all. Wait. Yeah. Wait. What's up? There's Ghost two Cop. movies that might be this already. <laughs> there's three movies. Phantom that, Cop. There's maybe. two different movies called Ghost Cop, and I don't know. Oh, one of them's a Japanese film. It appears. Uh, oh, well, we can rip that off. That's fine. Both of these IMDb IMDb pages are pretty vacant, so I think we're in the clear. Uh, but then in 2013, there was R.I.P.D., uh, which stars uh, Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds, Kevin That's Bacon. Like- alien cop right a recently slain cop joins a team of undead police officers working for the rest and peace department and tries to find the man who murdered him does that make him a ghost or a zombie yeah that's more well he looks like himself though he doesn't look like he doesn't look like a ghost would look but no yeah he has to look look like like a ghost he has to look like ryan reynolds because he's hot and i get that but like i don't know i I think we're in the clear with our ghost cop pitch (laughs) Yeah, I mean, talk about movies that didn't lean into their premise. If they're doing Ghost Cop <laughs> and he doesn't look like a ghost, R.I.P.D. I think is the RoboCop 3 of the 21st century. <laughs> and they got to that point in the first movie of the franchise. That's a shame. <laughs> it was dead on arrival. Talk about- <laughs> <laughs> I, bet you that, I bet you that's the tagline of the movie, Dude, dead I need on to arrival. check. If it's not, they're, they're fools. Again, and not leaning into their premise. Uh, <laughs> IMDb usually is taglines, right? Taglines. Wow, these are bad. Okay. <laughs> <Tell> <laughs> to it. protect and serve the living. 
Uh, wait, what? The, well, duh. One of their taglines. Yeah, I know. It's not like because they're dead, they only protect dead people. Oh. And defending our world one soul at a time, which also feels wrong. I haven't mm. seen the movie, but based on the pitch I just read, that's not how that movie works. Yeah, no, that doesn't. That's that sounds more like a um, okay. what are they called? Like a homeless shelter, a homeless, homeless shelter, shelter or it sounds like what if your cop was really devoutly religious? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like Jesus Christ, detective. Yeah, have that's we the got, best I got? <laughs> have we got pastor cop before? I think didn't that just come out recently? There's a movie. Wait a minute. There's a. There's a Lethal Weapon style buddy comedy in here, which is just a priest cop and a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And there's room for that to be like, is this a better conceit for what RoboCop 3 is trying to do? Like, there's more room for it to be goofy if it was just a priest and a ghost than a robot. So it's just like RoboCop 3 not robot. RoboCop 3, except it's not RoboCop. It's the guy, it's the priest from the church that is being used as a safe house and it is the leader of the rebel cell who gets killed initially and they team up while she's a ghost and then they fight rehab <laughs> this is a better movie yeah i think we've pulled it off i mean yeah that that makes more sense right that gives it a reason to exist whereas this movie you know it doesn't i understand that they were targeting the kids demographic and and that's the reason, right? But it, it it's still it it feels so much like a retread that um I feel like they need some ghosts to spice it up. They needed a ghost to spice it up, is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Nancy Allen should have played a ghost. Yeah. Well, I'm... that she, she dies so early into the movie, right? That it that it would have made sense for her to come back as a ghost. I mean, she comes in back in flashback, but that's not like a real ghost. I want her to have like a near corporeal form and like be on set and like yeah influencing events. Um, yeah i was gonna make a point earlier about those ninjas that was gonna tie this all together with a real beautiful bow because we're intelligent dudes uh i don't remember what that was going to be mm. i'll have to edit it in later I'm sure you'll <laughs> it. i'll have to write my thesis later um this is uh your disembodied voice can come back and make ooh. the point it's from something, the future it's something to the effect of like they had the setup of there is a fleet there's only three, but there's more than one. There are at least several android ninjas who are out to fight RoboCop. They mm -hmm. had incredible effects, and they had people on the production staff that wanted to lean into that. And doing a martial arts film with RoboCop in it will give you room to do the weird stuff that you want to do without having to sacrifice tonal consistency by opening it up to children, and you already have the effects that make it look good. So, like, yeah. in that case, it's like, if they had just chosen that, and you focus your energy into making, like, we want to make Kung Fu RoboCop, that's a more focused, whole experience for the audience. Alternatively, I'd say, take that stuff out completely, because it honestly kind of just feels like it's there, for either orientalism reasons or like 1980s and 90s Japanese technological supremacy reasons where it was just like right. in the zeitgeist. But yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like it needs to be there. So the alternative is take that out and then just like crank the rehab guys up to 11 
mm-hmm. and then just focus on like, yeah, we're doing RoboCop again, but we did it really well, and he gets a jetpack. Yeah. But it's scattered enough. Like the vignette structure is a good way to put it because it feels disjointed in that way that like separate stories would. I think that kind of summarizes how we both sort of feel, but I think we got a bit more out of this than we thought. We were prepared to like not have a lot to say. And I noticed that like there's notes in here that I could definitely pull from that's just stuff that's funny, like weird moments, but like not enough to necessarily carry a conversation. But I think what we find with RoboCop 3 is just an example, excuse me, an example of squandered potential where like mm. this movie had room to work if focused more finely and it's scattered in a way that does it a disservice. It's an unremarkably disinteresting result. There are moments that are interesting. There are concepts that are interesting, but it doesn't coalesce. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, you go. Sorry. I was going to say, which is probably why when I Googled RoboCop sequels to see if this would be a good fit for our show, Google did not tell me that RoboCop 3 existed. (laughs) (laughs) Even Google was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't even remember that one. Did that happen? Google could not remember if (laughs) RoboCop 3 happened. Yeah, Google is like, oh, they made another one? What? Or at Google least is never one, supposed to say that. Or right? at least there's one guy. Yeah, what if Google used the name of our show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there's a guy at Google who hates RoboCop. Yeah, I mean, people from film crews often, you know, you can't stay in the industry forever. You get other jobs. Maybe the person who pioneered digital morphing went on to uh, be an entrepreneur at Google and help them out with some, you know technological engineering stuff and all the while is trying to trying to bury his past yeah there's room here there's room here for that i like i like this fiction better (laughs) yeah um i think that does that about wrap it is there anything else you want to mention on robocop 3 before we transition here uh no man I i think we got it pretty pretty good it was just um it wasn't fun enough to be fun and it wasn't it didn't say enough to uh, say anything. To say anything, and so it's not. I've heard very little about this film in the past, and and I think what I have heard has has been pretty negative. It's not incompetent enough to be no. awful, but it's just it's so. We know why so, no one hears anything about RoboCop three now. It's because it's there's nothing to say about RoboCop right. three. It's so middling, and so maybe maybe that is worse, right? Like maybe maybe I would have appreciated a movie that is just that is just even more bad. So it's it's just it's not a movie that I think I will ever revisit or yeah. tell anyone they need to see for for any reason. Yeah, we whatsoever. haven't even necessarily spent an hour talking about Robocop three. We've spent most of this hour talking about reasons to not see Robocop three. Yeah, which is you know, it's just Which a shame. I, this yeah. movie had potential. It had it. We are all Frank Miller and Fred Decker who are just disappointed and sad. <laughs> <laughs> About RoboCop okay. 3. I'm sure the rest of their lives went pretty all right. But like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fred Decker was out of it after this until I think like The Predator came out recently, I right? Mean, Which is Frank Miller left Hollywood until Sin City after this. Yeah, dude. This, this movie, movie excised people from Hollywood with with swiftness. Yeah, no wonder that dude ended up at Google. Jesus. <laughs> Fred Decker worked at Google. It was like I don't want anybody <laughs> to know about this. Yeah, it was Fred Decker all along. Yeah, the call was coming from inside the production team. 
<laughs> and when you pick up the phone, he's like, hey, have you heard of Robocop 3? And you go like, no. And he goes, good. And he just hangs up the phone. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we will leave our discussion of Robocop 3 there. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else in existence as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what kind of cool stunts you would do if you had RoboCop's wacky jetpack. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price, where I'll be emailing at Animal Gods to try to get some tech support. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you here next week for more. They made another one. <laughs> <laughs>